0: Welcome back to the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on this episode, we will be featuring a live interview that I recently did with VistaJet. Last week was the 2021 National Business Aviation Association's Business Aviation Conference and Exhibition held in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Convention Center. During the event, I had the chance to sit down with Leona Key, she is the president of the US division of VistaJet. As some of you probably already know, VistaJet is a global private jet charter operator of Bombardier Global and Challenger Business Jets, one of the largest private jet operators in the world. I actually performed this interview live at VistaJet's exhibit booth on the exhibit floor of the Las Vegas Las Vegas Convention Center. So if you notice some background noise, What you're actually hearing is that we performed this interview right after the unveiling of the new HondaJet 2600, which is a new prototype light business jet that Honda Aircraft Company unveiled for the first time at NBAA this year in Las Vegas. So we actually did this podcast interview right after that unveiling. So again, if you probably noticed some background noise here, uh, if you can imagine you're live at the Las Vegas Convention Center at the VistaJet exhibit booth because that's exactly where I was having this conversation with Leona. We had a very interesting and insightful conversation ranging from how Leona actually became involved with VistaJet, some of the success that VistaJet has had in terms of demand for private jet operations throughout the pandemic, and we also get into some of the aircraft and personnel related supply chain and staffing issues that VistaJet and the rest of the business aviation segment of air transportation are all facing right now. And as we also learn, VistaJet is hiring for quite a few positions, so it's a very interesting time in business aviation right now as we learn during this interview. So let's get into our discussion with Leona Key, president of the U.S. Division of VistaJet. you can first start by just giving our listeners some background on your role with VistaJet, how long you've been with the organization, um, where you're based out of, some of your day-to-day responsibilities there.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Nice to meet you. So uh, my role, I'm the president uh, for VistaJet US to program sales. Uh, I've been with the company, this is their show, so for almost six years. So this is just over five years. I was actually hired um, to run Asia-Pacific business. So I started out with VistaJet uh, for the Hong Kong office to grow the customer base for us in Asia-Pacific. When I joined, I think that office, we had six people, um, so we grew the customer base three times. And then um, to, from 2016 to 2018, um, then the company wanted me to, to head a U.S. sales. So I started to take on that role from 2018 uh, to grow the customer base, our FSP, which is our flagship product. Um, So we have office in Fort Lauderdale and also in New York. Um, We have a little office in LA. So my sales vice president, they're all over the country and um, where I am based, um, I am based everywhere, wherever our customers need me to be. I was just in London last week, New York the week before, I'm in Vegas now. Going to be in London next week, Texas the week after. So, wow.
0: <laughs> quite a schedule. <laughs> um, and you know, how did you get into the aviation industry? Just curious about that as well.
1: Um, so it's actually, it's it's a really good question because that's not something that I really planned. Um, I graduated. I have a financial engineering degree, and I started out on the sales and trading floor on Wall Street. Uh, this was over two thousand five. So I was doing that, I did a lot of asset-back financing, so all my deals are ABS-based deals, um, structuring them, sell them, uh, not so much trading, but really structuring and sales. Um, so I was doing that for about a decade, um, and part of the underlying assets that I was always doing is, uh, you know, their airplanes, so there's real estate container cars, um, and airplanes so I was my last shop stop on Wall Street was really at Guggenheim which has a really big aviation funds I'm sure a lot of you probably know oh, yeah. um, so I started from there with two partners um, we raised money with private equity uh, to start to help co-start a company it's called Global Jet Capital which was actually at a show today um, is one of the I think it's the biggest the third party financier like independent asset-based financing financier in the world um, that company went on to purchase GE's portfolio uh, they have a very big presence here so that was the company um, I helped with my partners we co-founded and that's actually how we got to do VistaJet because VistaJet we we own and operate and finance our global fleet and really what we offer our members is an asset-free solution compared to you know actual for example ownership or fractional ownership you will have exposure to assets, um, which is depreciating. It's expensive and it's depreciating and always depreciating. There's pretty much no scenario an aircraft will appreciate. Um, so VistaJet really takes away that from our members to offer our members the fixed rates and guaranteed availability, but with no exposure to the depreciation of the asset itself. Uh, so through that company, I got to know uh, VistaJet chairman and founder and, um, he started to talk to me. He wanted me to, to join a company. So that took about a couple of years. So that's I met him in two thousand fourteen. When VistaJet started to enter the United States market, that's how.
0: That's how you. It's a long came. story. That's nice. how I,
1: I got into um, aviation. But I've been doing this VistaJet and GlobalJet Capital together for ten years now.
0: Ten years, interesting. And, you know, speaking of VistaJet, obviously one of the biggest business jet operators in the world, very familiar. We've been covering them for a while. Um, I understand business aviation as a whole is facing some supply chain issues right now. It's not a topic we've covered as much. Um, So could you first start just some background and introduction to what are some of those main supply chain issues right now?
1: Yeah, of course and I think um, as you can probably see you know just when you go out even in Vegas when you go to buy a coffee or in a hotel when you you wait the average wait time even though there are not a lot of people if you want someone to to check you in etc a lot of things take longer I think that's you know due to the pandemic we in general I think our general economy has been experienced a shortage of workforce. I would say, you know, actually I'll rephrase, I think it's qualified workforce, right, for various reasons. There's people that are sick, there's people that may not be able to return to work full time due to, it could be family, childcare. Um, specifically now in aviation, there had always been a shortage of qualified pilots and crew and, and cabin crew. Um, and during and through this pandemic, compared to a lot of other industries, especially our counterpart in commercial aviation, where private aviation experiences a surge in demand. Uh, you know, in the beginning, I don't think anyone would envision that to happen because it's almost counterintuitive, right? But then from last year, July and August 2020, it became very evident that people would continue to want to fly, to do business face to face, or to go to places that where they can spend time uh, safe, safely with their loved ones. Um, And people still need a break from their daily life, no matter if you're working from home or actually going to an office to work, people still want to take a vacation. So we have this surge uh, in demand, people that can afford it, that they want to fly private. Statistically, pre-pandemic, only about 10% of people that are flying private, uh, that could afford flying private, that are actually flying private. So there are 90% of them, they're still with commercial. Mm And through the pandemic, they now come back because they look at things differently, right? Other than luxury, maybe cost competitive, but safety and health to become um, a priority for everyone. So for our industry, there is a shortage, not only just in um, in human capital, but also in aircraft availability, in the fleet's availability. Because in the past, any company, you know, the company if you run a company, the most important thing is really the viability of the company because you don't purchase fleets so that they're empty. So all our counterparts and VistaJet in the industry, we always grow the fleets organically, you know, we how how many members we can have. Now this past year we experienced a surge, so a lot of uh, people in the industry, a lot of the operators in the industry wanted to make sure that they can keep up with the demand. but. That's, that's, I think, ultimately the shortage. Now today, the charter market price is probably about, I would say 20 to 35% higher than what it used to be, simply because there's just no availability, very low availability. And also in the past, there's a lot of owner jets that are out on the market for charter. Now those owners are saying, okay, I don't really want to charter them out for health and safety concerns. So that further reduced the availability in the market.
0: Interesting. So, I mean, but would you say the main supply chain issues are staffing personnel related or are there also um, like parts or or uh, even aircraft uh, related issues as well?
1: I think it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much both because to fly an airplane, the, the machine doesn't fly itself. The machine doesn't maintain itself. And even if you have parts, the parts doesn't go on the machine itself. So you need you definitely need engineers and you need maintenance technicians you need pilots, you need crew. So it's definitely both because this industry needs more aircraft and needs more aircraft to fly in the sky. So that in return needs more um, personnel, right? To, to support everything.
0: And you know, um, what would you say was the timing as far as um, this supply chain driven by the, the pandemic that you, you mentioned um, really started to impact Vistajet's operations? Like what, what around, you know, timing would you say that started?
1: So I think for VistaJet, we reached the pre-pandemic level in terms of flying from last year July. I think it was the dates, maybe July 26th, I could not remember, but it was the exact dates. But it's July, August, we reached a pre-pandemic level. So I think at VistaJet specifically, our customer, our clientele, our trainer-worth individuals, and in Fortune you know 500 companies and some small governments, Now for the customers we cover because of aircraft type is super medium to long range and our aircraft is young so we're really cover I think we're the very very high end of the market I think that also um, so we started to see and at the time as a company we were thinking okay so now in July we already came back and we're getting all these incoming calls that are there's a surge of inquiries about how they can fly with VistaJet even though uh, to be frank a lot of those inquiries they might not necessarily be qualified to fly VistaJet because wow. again we're at a very high end so that's when VistaJet decided that our chairman really replaced additional orders with, with OEM uh, we replaced we 10 Challenger 350 and we, we decided that we're going to take delivery of the Global 7500, which is the longest range business jet in the marketplace today. Um, we decided to activate the options that we have. Um, so that really helped us because now this year, now if you, you know, there's a lot of OEMs, all the major players are at the show. If you go ask them if today you said that, okay, I have $60 million, I want to purchase an aircraft. You don't ha- you can't purchase any of the aircrafts directly, now from Static, you need to wait. There's a long wait, um, so I think for VistaJet we really see that coming. And um, also throughout the pandemic, as a company, we made a decision. Um, we kept our entire workforce from our private dining to customer service to sales to um, to our maintenance to our crew. Um, a lot of our our peers in the industry made different decisions. They you know, furloughed people or let people go, but our decision was that we kept our entire workforce and that really paid off because when the demand came back, those are the personnel and human capital that we really need and our staff are, are, are staying with us. And one of the top reasons, one of the reasons not only because we wanted to do that, but also as a business where we are selling is a guaranteed availability to our customers. We're very committed to our customers because we know whenever they want to fly, we need to be ready right our aircraft needs to be ready our team needs to be ready that's why and it really i think in the long run it really paid off and you know from last year we also need to start hiring people start hiring people as you can see today if you follow vista on linkedin or any social media we're constantly hiring we're expanding so those are um, part of the you know driven by the demand but also we also have new machines arriving
0: and I mean, where is most of the hiring happening for VistaJet? I mean, are there particular divisions or, or you know, staff that, that you need to fill specifically?
1: Um, it's really across uh, departments. So I think, again, it's very, uh, they're all like interwoven together. Um, you know, our sales, especially in North America, is up so much um, from the first half a year and Q3. So the sales is signing up new customers, new customers is service. So we're hiring a member service team, which is one of our, uh, our demand team. And then also we're adding aircraft to our fleet where we're looking, we're hiring crew Um, and VistaJet offers. One of our signatures is that VVM catering is always included in um, every single flight hour that you purchase. So we're hiring private dining specialists. Um, we're even hiring HR to help, perhaps, with the talent, you know, with the talent acquisition. So we're really hiring across the department, um, especially in North America and in Europe.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And just a follow-up question on what you mentioned: as far as um, you know, if you if you walk up to an OEM and you want to purchase a new aircraft, they might not have it available. Um, That is pretty shocking. That is interesting to learn. Um, How does that affect VistaJet as far as expanding your fleet? I mean, are you also facing some maybe delivery um, delays or is that also affecting you as well?
1: Um, Well, it's affecting everybody, but that's why um, it's very important when you make the decision, right? Like our 7500 options, for example, was purchased by my chairman over 10 years ago. So we're already in slot, we're the first in line and the Challenger 350 we place the order when no one else is because people don't know where it's going to go so we have 10 of them we placed 10 of them the order last year we're going to get our delivery now Uh, people that now if you're playing catch up then there's a backlog right so for us um, it's affecting everyone but we have waited already we have waited and now it's where we need it so it's all about that's why our business model is subscription, but it's also um, a multiple-year contract. So for each customer that committed with us, there we're looking at a three or five-year contract. So we can forecast what they you know they have need this year, they will have need next year, and also the year after.
0: And just want to learn a little bit more about Bombardier, as, as you know, Vistajet is a Bombardier aircraft operator. Um, what is driving the global shortage of new jet models and uh, also the rising rates of second-hand jets?
1: Um, specifically for Bombardier or for?
0: For Bombardier specifically. Okay.
1: So I think, um, um, I mean, I don't know this is from my perspective. This is purely I don't have any inside information to, sure. to Bombardier and their other sales this is so, only from uh, my perspective so and also my finance background so one i think the super long range again the global 7500 is really a game changer and is um you always have a first mover advantage right so there's other competitors that they will have similar products coming out but it could take you know two to three years it take it took Bombardier over 10 years to do the R&D. And then they uh, finally now the aircraft is out. Now a fly up to 17 are nonstop with the four zone cabin, all the amazing technologies and avionics, which you see on our aesthetic. Um, I think also with the wealth creation cycle um, process in the past two decades, since 2000, really with the tech boom, with the upper edge, they become really wealthy. So, you know, in year 2000, I think, Bill Gates was probably the wealthiest person in the world, and his net worth was was what, I, I don't know, I can't remember the exact, but maybe let's call it a 15 billion, probably, I think. Um, today, the richest person in the world is two, worth 200 billion, right? I don't know, it's either Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, I, I can't keep up with who's on top because of the stock price. But it, because of the wealth creation cycle, this is just the top. Um, there's. A lot of people that want to fly private and they can afford it for, because this type of aircraft, there, you know, the seven thousand five hundred, is cost about seventy five to eighty million dollars. So they're really for large corporations to transport their executives for ultra high work individuals to make it to the meeting place in this in the most efficient way. So there's no fuel stops required. So it's really in demand. Because um, it can take you to where people conduct business. For example, Los Angeles to Hong Kong nonstop, New York to Dubai nonstop. Um, all these places that, that need to take much longer with fill stop, especially now during COVID, no one wants to take fill stop because the fill stop not only you know, it's not just about a shortest route. It's also about if you stop there, do you add a layer to your quarantine or um, you know if you can actually leave the place. Um, so, I think that's part of what's driven it. They Definitely, there's a first mover advantage, and that's where with VistaJet we also see the first mover advantage because we're the only commercial operator today that has the aircraft. Um, and Bombardier also, their other products, which we're also the launching customers, is so the Challenger 350. Um, in my opinion, my personal opinion, is really the best in its class, super mid range aircraft. I think Gulfstream used to have the, they still have the, G, the G280, um, it's a competitor, but I don't think it comes close uh, to 350, is a stand-up cabin and with a range, with an a seater so it's very popular with charter market with aircraft owners, um, and that aircraft now with the charter market shortage also experienced a surge. So a lot of people, now there are people going out to the market to try to find second-hand 350. Um, the old model, old generation is called Challenger 300s, so it becomes um, very popular, so that's just purely supply and demand.
0: And you know, speaking of supply and demand and the supply chain issues, were you also seeing some of this happening before the pandemic, I mean, were there some uh, maybe staffing issues that were uh, in shortage before the pandemic really set in?
1: I think pilots, qualified pilots, um, as you probably know, there there's always a huge demand for uh, for pilots before the before the pandemic, not only just in private aviation, but also in commercial aviation, there are economies in the world. That um for example China. China I think in the past decade had half of its first half of its population flown on an aircraft for the very first time. Um, I think I read that somewhere, which is amazing. Just imagine they have one point six billion people. Again, if you have eight hundred million of them flying the aircraft for the very first time, there's a boom in general in countries like China, India. Because um, if you go to China, there's it's like the United States probably in the '80s. There's you know all of these new airlines popping up. Like you know, it will be a province that they have a new airline that they have. Um, they placed a huge order, billions of dola- uh, dollars order with Boeing for the for the seven hundred and thirty seven. I cannot remember when I read the news. I think it was several years uh, at NBAA actually. Um, Boeing announced that they just have this amazing, incredible like thirty jets order from uh, from a new airline in China. So I think that's the. With all of that, you need air. You need pilots. Uh, so I I think, as far as I can remember, pilots are always in demand. It's really a good occupation to, to be had. They're always in demand because, again, you need to train them. And it doesn't happen overnight, right? Um, and then especially for a company like VistaJet, uh, we have the highest safety standard in the world. Pilots with us, when they come in, the person in charge needs to have at least 3,000 hours in the belts, and then we have our specific trainings. So again, those hours doesn't come overnight. They actually need to fly those hours.
0: And I um, want to kind of close out with asking, you know, wh- what you're talking about with the supply chain issues. Um, first of all, just the business aviation industry as a whole, what do you think they need to do to combat those supply chain issues? And then from Vista Jet's perspective, what are you doing to combat those as well?
1: Um, I think there's two parts. I think for the um, for the aircraft itself, um, there's really no other ways to put it, right? You need to... Uh, the, because for all the manufacturers, I mean, a lot of things. It comes down to uh, to economics, right? Because you can, you know, you can make a lot of aircraft if no one's buying them. As an OEM, you might go bankrupt, right? Because it's just so. It's a it's a billion dollar guess. The that's why the the backlog and also the production number of all the OEMs. Every time on, at their. Um, at their call at their investor call is always key indicator of how profitable um, or where where the investors going to look at manufacture. so i think that it goes down to like now what are the manufacturers going to do now we have the shortage they will have bedlock probably in the next five years so now they can ramp up production they need to sell those aircraft uh, but at the same time you need to be careful if there's a downturn right so that's again that's not frankly my concern, my, uh, but all, that's what all the OEMs are, are thinking because if you listen to their, to their investor calls um, that's the key number everyone is interested in. What's your backlog and what's your production number? Um, so from VistaJet, for us we have our internal, we have our finance model. We need to make sure that we're growing our customers at this pace. And here's our order book with any OEM or here's the aircraft that we want to grow. The advantage for VistaJet is that we don't have to buy brand new aircraft. We can always go to second hand place to buy aircraft that are used and we can, we call it VistaJet test them. So that they look like VistaJet, then you can fly in our fleet. So, you know, it depends really on how much we're willing to pay for them, right? There's a price for the second hand market. Um, so that's what VistaJet we're trying to do. We're always trying to monitor to match our demands with how many aircraft that I need to have to guarantee our customers the availability, um, access to our fleet. And I think the other part of this is the human capital. So as an industry, I think, you know, that's why this type of air shows is great. Um, this industry, I think for the longest time, there has always been, is not as niche in the United States, but private aviation is not like an industry. I don't think a lot of people, when they're growing up, they say that I want to work in private aviation industry. I'm not talking about work in the cabin, but the entire industry needs, you know, from ground handling to um, to mechanics, to sales, like I mentioned, to member service to. Um, so it's also we need an industry um, ourselves need to advocate for the industry. So I think Every air show there's a student day um, that we, are, we need to advocate to the next generation so that they're interested in the industry and so we can have the constant supply of pipeline that talents that will come to this industry.
0: That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS Podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast.